Father God, Lord, I pray that you would show up now, Father, that um, you would be here amongst us, that you would speak to us through your word. Lord, and we would, our hearts would be prepared to receive it. Lord, I pray that you would do what work you need to do here this morning. Lord, it's not about us, it's about you. And so we give this time to you, Father, and we lay our hearts down. Lord, asking that you would instruct us and that you would speak to us, Lord. Lord, that you would transform our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, before last week, I was a little concerned. I was concerned about uh, our prayer, concerned about our collective prayer. And when we came together, and um, as I thought through this, and sort of it seemed like we were progressively praying a little bit less, and a little bit less, or a little bit less passionate. And I thought back through the time that we've been together, and even when we were at Trent's house, and when we were praying about coming to the park, and we were praying about, would the park let us in? Would they give us this... Uh, contract to be able to have our services there and we prayed fervently we prayed some days we just prayed and instead of teaching we prayed and we would pray even when I was teaching we'd go for 25 30 minutes just praying and you guys would would pray me out of preaching sometimes which was a good thing and then we got to the park and I remember praying in the park and being in the gym in the rec center and being like this is the first time probably that God's word has been read here and that we want to pray for this community and pray that God would change that and God would give us a place in this community that we'd be made known in this community. And then we came here. God answered those prayers. And since we've been here, I've just felt like we've slowly and slowly and slowly been praying a little bit less and a little bit less passionately. And so I was concerned about that and we made some adjustments in the service. Ernesto and I were talking, okay, how can we encourage people to pray? And we tried to pray in between the songs and what might that look like. We tried a different strategy. And last week, during our time of worship and our time of prayer, three people prayed. And I was frustrated. And I'm honest, when I left, I was like, we've got to do something. And I'm thinking through prayer, and if, you, if you've been a Christian for a week, you know that you need to read your Bible and you need to pray. Those are the top two things. That's one and two. And that we know and that you guys know theologically when we are able to pray, we, we're able to go before God. We're able to have access to God that He hears us. If you look in the first slide, Psalm 66, 19, it says, But truly, God has listened. He has attended the voice of my prayer. So we know we can come before God in prayer. We know also that there's power in prayer. In James 5.16 it says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And not just access and power, but it also gives us a chance to worship as we did this morning. Psalm 141.2 says, Let my prayer be counted as incense before you, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. And I left here last week being like, What am I going to do? I've got to address this. What am I going to say? How are we going to adjust this? How are we going to fix this? What, what, what strategy do we need to implement? What can I do? And then God said, Britt, you're not alone. I said, okay. So I started talking to some different people on Monday. I said, what are we going to do? What are we, how are we going to take steps to correct this? What needs to be said? What needs to be communicated? How can we change this? I don't, we can't allow this to go on. And then I was talking to Jovi. And Jovi says, Britt, 
And have you prayed? Well, yeah, yeah, I prayed. Have you prayed for the body? Yeah, I prayed for the body. Have you prayed specifically for the body that they would have passion to pray? I said, no, I've just complained about it. I've just been frustrated about it. And as he spoke that word to me, I realized myself that I'm hesitant to pray. Uh, that prayer is not something that I can look back on and say, wow, I pray well. I got that one down, God. When I go into prayer, it's hard. It shows me, I start to realize my own selfishness as I go and I pray before God. My mind wanders typically, and then typically it focuses back on me or the things that I need to do or what I should be doing instead of praying. When I'm praying, it starts to, to unveil my doubts. I start to pray things, and I'm like, okay, well, God, if you could, maybe would you do this? And maybe you want, maybe you will, but... If you do what you have already done it anyway, I mean, you're sovereign, God. You, you're going to do what you're going to do. And, and what's the point of me praying? And then I get confused in my praying and I'm off on another tangent. And then I feel guilty. I can't pray consistently. I can't pray regularly. I can't pray with passion. And sometimes I think, you know what, it's just easier on my faith if I just wouldn't pray at all. Because when I pray, it just shows me what a mess I am. I can't do it well. And so that's what God showed me this week as I've tried to process through this and tried to pray through this and tried to just study through this and say, God, show me what you want to speak to me. Show me what you want to speak to this body. And he showed me three things. And I want today, my goal is that when we leave here, that you guys would all completely agree with these statements, with these three characteristics that you have and that I have. And they're that we're broken, that we're inadequate and that we're dependent. No personal coach no, is going to tell you, oh, you're broken, you're inadequate, and you're dependent. But I believe that's what God wants us to understand today, that that's who we are. So let me work through those quickly. The first is this idea that we're broken. We looked last week at this slide, considering relationships, that we were created to have a relationship with God. We were created to communicate with Him, to be in this relationship with Him. And in the garden, it was right. In the garden, it was perfect. And Adam and Eve had perfect relationship and communication with God. Remember, we were created in the image of God, and so He's made us to be relational. But because of the fall, we're broken. Sin entered in. And it's like we've had a stroke, like we can't, our body is not acting the way our body was meant to act. The systems don't work right. But prayer is all about restoring that relationship. When we pray, we are to connect our lives with our Heavenly Father. He says, come and be with me. And that the point, the goal is not prayer. That's not what we're focusing on. We're not focusing on prayer. That's just the way that we do it. It's just the, the method which we use or the way that we connect. But we do that so that we can get to know God. We don't do it so we can have this great experience. We had a wonderful experience praying. It's not about me. It's so that I can get to know God. And in Jesus in Revelation 3.20, he talks about repenting. He says, if you, I stand at the door and knock, and if you let me in, I'll come in and I'll sit with you, and I'll dine with you, and you will dine with me. 
And I'm like, what is Jesus talking about? Why would he want to eat with us, right? And, and I realized that like, he wants to come in not to eat with us, but when he eats with us to sit down to get to know us. That's the point. It's about a meal to sit down, but the point is to get to know us and that we get to know him. It's not about eating with Jesus. And it's the same thing when we have people over to our house, or many of you, pretty much everybody, if you haven't, if you, if you, you have already, or if you haven't, you need to, come have dinner at our house, all right, or have, or have a meal with us. And we do that not so that we can eat together, not even so that we can have a conversation, but through eating and through a conversation, we can get to know each other better. And that's the same thing that God wants to do for us in prayer. He says, our relationship's been broken, but I want you to come back to me. I've opened up this line, and I want you to come and sit before me, and I want you to get to know me. But relationships need time and focus. And God has given us His Word, where we can read, we can hear from Him, we can read into that, we can understand what He's speaking to us, and yet He's given us prayer. Or we can come just as we are and we can put ourselves before God and we can hear from Him, we can speak to Him and we can have this conversation back and forth. I know I've shared before about, my, about dating Nidia and our long distance relationship and we would write a letter to each other at least every week and I remember getting those letters and having that and reading that and reading it over and over again thinking about her but every night, just about, except when she wouldn't want to talk to me we would talk on the phone. We'd have this conversation and, and I would share with her what was on my heart. I would ask her questions. She would respond back. We'd go back and forth, back and forth having this conversation over the phone. And even though we were long distance, we were over a thousand miles away, over that time, over that nine months, we got to know each other better because of these conversations. I read her letters and I heard from her and I shared with her back and forth, back and forth. I got to know her. It wasn't about talking on the phone. It was about getting to know her. So we're to get to know God through prayer. We're broken and we need repaired, but we're still broken. We still have these effects of the fall. We still, we're in rehab, but our bodies still suffered a stroke. And so we're inadequate. We come before God and we end up looking inward. We end up looking towards ourselves. Because of the fall, we have this desire to be independent, to be on our own, to be caring for ourselves, to focus on ourselves. And you feel that when you go into prayer. We want to trust in our own talents. I, I prize my, my, my intellect, my, my abilities, my, my resources, what I can do for myself. And because we really believe that we can do life without God, we know that praying is, is nice. We know that praying is a good thing. We know it's something that we should do. But I think we truly believe that it's unnecessary. If you guys have ever been to Jiffy Lube, and I used to change my own oil, but you know now I'm less of a man here in the apartment, so I have to go to Jiffy Lube to get my oil changed. But when you go, and you give them the keys, and you sit down in the waiting room, Every time, without fail, they walk in with the air filter in their hands. Like, oh, Mr. Fuller, this is, we noticed that your air filter's a little dirty and your car it's probably needs a new air filter and we can actually change that for you right now. It'll just cost you $19.99. And I, I say, well, does my car need the air filter changed? They say, well, it'll operate better, it'll be more efficient, you'll get better gas mileage. I said, well, do, do I need that air filter to crank the car for me to get from here to work? Well, no, you'll still be able to do that. I said, okay, don't change my air filter then. 
And then the next time they ask me again. But that's not how prayer is. We think prayer is like this air filter. If we put that on, it will make us a better Christian. We'll experience it a little more. But I don't have to have it. I don't have to change it. And just like my air filter, I go the next time and I still haven't changed it. I think I'm going to go to the store. I'll put it in myself. It'll be half price. But I don't change it. And we think the same thing about prayer. It's good. It's nice. I know I need to do that. But it's not necessary. But prayer and walking with God goes together. It can't be separated. It's like if we try to live this life out for God without prayer, it's like having a peanut butter sandwich without jelly. It's like tacos without salsa. It's like Southern California without sunshine. It's like, it's like Trent without Bonnie. Like, I just can't imagine it. He would be a mess without Bonnie. He needs Bonnie, right? It is necessary. But as we come to Him in this prayer, we're confronted. We come before a holy, sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful God, and we feel like this. Because we are not. Because He is holy and because we're not. But as we do that, we see our issues more clearly. We see how small we are. We see how sinful we are. And as we do that, as we pray, as we get to know Him, we understand how inadequate we are that we're completely helpless to do life. That on my own, I can't help myself. On my own, I can't help any of you guys. I can't help our neighbors. I'm inadequate. And we have to come to the end of ourselves. We have to realize that our abilities aren't able to do anything of any value. It's not about me. At a kitchen table in Montgomery, Alabama. It was around midnight on January 27, 1956. A young preacher sat there with a cup of coffee in hand, agonizing over how to get out of a leadership role he did not ask for. He wanted to do it without losing face or appearing to be a coward. He had good reason to be fearful and to want out. He had received numerous abusive calls and death threats targeting him and his family. The latest one that came that night that woke him out of bed and that caused him to make this cup of coffee. They assured him that if he didn't leave Montgomery with his family within the week, that they would be dead. And with his hands in his, his head in his hands, Martin Luther King bowed over the kitchen table and prayed. He said, Lord, I am standing for what I believe is right. The people are looking to me for leadership. And if I stand before them without strength and courage, they will falter. I am at the end of my powers. I have nothing left. I have nothing left. I've come to the point where I can't face it alone. He would later share that at that moment that he experienced the presence of the divine as he had never experienced before. He said it seemed as though he could hear a voice saying, stand up for righteousness, stand up for truth, and God will be at our side forever. I heard the voice of Jesus saying still to fight on. 
He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And I share that because he talked later about that being his conversion moment. That he grew up in the church, he knew about God, he, he believed in God, he would preach about God, he understood the gospel, his dad was a pastor, he had led Ebenezer Baptist Church, and yet he got to this point where he realized he was at the end of himself, and when he couldn't do anything more, when he realized that he was powerless, he experienced God as he had never experienced Him before. So at that moment, he never doubted, he never didn't believe, he knew God was with him. And that we need to come to that place where we come to an end of ourselves, where we acknowledge that we need grace, that we need what we can't do for ourselves. We need grace to be in a relationship with God through Jesus. And we need this grace now to continue on in this relationship with God through Jesus. So when we come to God in salvation, when we embrace Him, God accepts us, not because of ourselves, but because of what Jesus has done. Because of Jesus, He gives us salvation. In prayer, when we come before God, it's not about how we pray, it's not about our standing before God, it's not about the way in which we do it, it's because Jesus. It's because what Jesus has done, that God listens to our prayer and that God responds to our prayer. And I know we know this, I know you know this, but I don't think we believe it. I know I don't believe it sometimes. We come and we realize the inadequacy of our prayers and we want to give up. We think something's wrong with us. Why can't I focus on praying? Why can't I do this regularly? Why can't I be passionate about it? But I want to tell you that God looks at the adequacy of His Son when He hears our prayers, when our prayers wander off, when our prayers are selfish, when our prayers don't make sense. It's not about us, it's about the adequacy of Jesus. And you may think, well, I'm not spiritual enough, I'm not strong enough, and I would tell you, you're not. But the people who pray, they go and they realize, and they pray and they realize, I am not strong enough, I am weak, I am helpless, I can't do this. They see how, how weak they are, so they pray more. Weakness is the way to grace. The more you mature, the more you'll realize how much sin you have. When we become humble, it's because we see how prideful we are. When I understand how prideful I am, I'm actually becoming more and more humble. So I would tell us this morning that God wants us to be, He wants us to be depressed. He wants us to have low self-esteem. God wants us to be depressed about ourselves, but encouraged about His Son. He wants our self-esteem to be low, but He wants us to have high esteem in Christ. We need to take the focus off of ourselves, and we need to look to Jesus and what He's done for us. So would you describe yourself as broken and inadequate? Do you really think that that's how you are? Because if you're broken and you're inadequate, then it leads to dependency. You're messed up, you can't help yourself, so you have to rely on someone else to help you. And I want to tell you that Jesus was the most dependent person ever to walk on this earth. That's our Jesus. He was dependent. And look at these verses in the next slide. John 5, 19. It says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. 
in 5.30. I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 8.28. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And John 12.49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. Jesus didn't do Jesus didn't do anything on his own. He didn't say anything. He didn't speak anything. He didn't do anything unless the Father had allowed him to do it, unless the Father told him to do it. He was completely dependent on what God spoke to him, on what God showed him, and what God asked him to do. He was, he was helpless. He was dependent. We see this over and over again. And that's what he's inviting us into. Is He's inviting us into this relationship. Just as he's invited us to come and die to yourself and bear your cross and carry it just as I did, now I want you to come and I want you to have this relationship with God the Father that's completely dependent just as I did. And John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't believe that every day. <laughs> I try and add Jesus on so many times. I'm going to do what I've got to do. I'm going to take care of my business and Jesus come along with me. I don't wake up thinking I can do nothing apart from you. And in a sense, as we pray, it demonstrates that even more, that we're dependent on God. Because when we pray, every minute that we're praying is a minute that we're not out being productive, that we're not taking care of our business. When we pray, we're stopping and we're saying, I can't do this, God, you've got to do it. And if Jesus, being the Son of God, being God incarnate, walked on this earth and had to be fully dependent on God, we probably should be too. So if we believe that we're broken, we believe we're inadequate, we believe that we're dependent on God, then it sounds like a desperate situation. And desperate situations call for desperate measures. And I thought about a desperate situation in my life. A time that I wasn't sure what to do. I had nothing I could do. Our backs were against the wall. Nidia was pregnant with Annalise. It was our fourth time. We had done this three times before. No big deal. And we were out. We were buying a camera because it had been lots of years since the last one. And we were looking, and Nita was about five months along. And she said she had to go to the restroom, but in the camera store, they didn't have one. She went next door to Panera, and she took all the kids with her. And I remember standing at the counter of the camera store, looking at the camera, and see her come through that window, and I saw this look on her face that I had never seen before. And she came in, and she said, we've got to go. And we got in the car, and she was bleeding. She was bleeding heavily. And the kids had been with her, and we get in the van, and we're about 20 minutes from the hospital, and we start to go to the hospital. 
I was like, being a, a medical professional, I'm like, I think it's over. I think it's done. There's nothing we can do. She's bleeding so much. And I remember feeling helpless. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And there was this 20 minutes where we're just driving and we're trying to get to the hospital. What are we supposed to do? And I don't know who recommended it, but like, let's pray. And I remember my kids praying. I said, okay. I gave them the order. Oran, then Mariana, then Karina, you guys pray, then mommy will pray, and then I'll pray. And I remember hearing them pray. And what they asked of God and how confidently they went before God and said, God, you're going to take care of our mom. God, you're going to take care of this baby of our sister that's coming. And to hear the way they prayed and to hear how they approached God, it broke me. And I'm sitting there thinking as they're praying, like overwhelmed with what they're praying. But in my heart, I'm like, yeah, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I mean, look at, look at the situation. And we get to the hospital. Emmanuel comes and gets the kids. And we're sitting there. And no one communicates very much with us in the emergency room. The, their faces are, 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 look sad and, and need is bleeding. They get her changed. She's continuing to bleed more. They put her on a pad on this bed. And it just seems like time is just going along so slowly. And there's nothing that we can do. And I just remember praying and saying, not knowing what to pray and say, God, help us. God, help us. God, save this child. God, God, take care of my wife. God, just do this. God, would you do this? And they did an ultrasound and they come back. And the, the nurse couldn't talk to us. The tech couldn't talk to us. We had to wait for the doctor to actually tell us what was going on. And the doctor came in and he didn't say anything very clearly, but they had to actually go in and, and remove some tissue and do a procedure in Nidia. And what we understood was that we had lost the baby. And I remember them taking that and then putting the tissue, putting what they had taken out, what they had taken from Nidia, and thinking that my daughter was right there. And I remember Nidia and I praying and saying, God, we've got to be okay with this. God, help us to be okay with this. We don't know what to do. We're helpless. We're broken. We're inadequate to do anything. We, we're dependent on you. And we found out after praying, after crying, after thinking that we had lost our child, the doctor comes back in and says, well, actually, you might not lose her. She's, you know, everything looks okay. We're going to have to go through this process. And now we have Annalise. <laughs> but that was the most desperate that I can ever remember feeling. I was in a situation that I couldn't do anything about. And as I look back at it, the way that I prayed, in some ways, I was ashamed. I thought about my kids' prayers and how much better they prayed than I did. And that when we're in a situation like that, when we're desperate, we understand that we're desperate, God wants us to pray like kids. He wants us to pray like children. We are His children. He's called us as sons and daughters, and He says that he's, he's placed His Spirit inside of us to cry back, Abba, Father, to cry back, Papi, to cry back, Daddy. That's who we are. And so He wants us to come to Him like kids. And if we come to Him like kids, we come not pretending. When we pray to Him, we don't pretend. We don't have to get everything right. We don't have to be somebody we're not to come before our daddy, to come before our poppy. We don't try and get things in order. We don't try and sound good. We come messy. We're unspiritual. We're selfish. We're broken. We're inadequate. He just wants us to come. 
Jesus didn't say, come to me, all you who have learned how to concentrate in prayer, whose minds no longer wander, who say good prayers and I will give you rest. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's no pretense in coming before God. He wants the real you. He wants the broken sinner in need of a physician. And not only does he want us not to pretend, but he wants us to continue to ask and continue to ask to repeat ourselves over and over again. When we were there in the hospital, once we got all I could remember, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, please. That was the extent of our prayers. And Jesus gives many examples of this, of the persistent widow, of when someone comes to dine and they had to go get food for this neighbor, over and over again, asking and asking. That's what God wants us to do. And I was woken this Saturday morning. We have pancakes at our house every Saturday, and I'm the, the pancake chef. And this morning at about 6.33, Annalise is standing beside my bed. Puppy, puppy, make pancake. Pancakes make puppy. Puppy, pancakes. Puppy, make pancakes. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. All right, we'll be right there. Okay, okay, go out into the, into the kitchen. I'll, I'll be right there. A couple minutes later, puppy. Puppy, pancakes, puppy, puppy, make pancakes, pancakes, make puppy, puppy, puppy. Okay, okay, okay. I send her away again. And she comes back, and this time she gets up on the bed, and she's straddling me, sitting on my chest, and putting her face, her hands on my face, and puppy, 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 pancakes, puppy, come on, puppy, please. And I got up. That's how God wants us to come to Him. Asking again and again. Simple. Just what we want. Wherever we're at. Whatever we need. He wants us to come to Him that way. And not only did she come to me and repeat over and over again. But she actually got louder each time. Where at the end she's grabbing my face and making sure that I'll listen to her. She got louder and louder. And I think that as we come to God and we... We don't come with pretense and we we repeat ourselves over and over again. I think God wants us to voice our needs. He wants us to cry out loud. He wants us to plead loudly with Him. He wants us to have an outward expression of our inward desperation. He wants to hear that. He wants to see that. And as I look back at Israel and I look back at the Old Testament, this was what they did. This was what David did. As you look at the Psalms, look at Psalm 5 from the next slide. 1 through C... 1 through 3, it says, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry, my King and my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning, hear my voice. In the morning, I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. In Psalm 28, 1 through 2, he says, To you, O Lord, I call my rock. Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. When I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards you, towards your most holy sanctuary. And if we read that and we take it for what it says, David would cry out. He would, he would speak out. He would use his voice. And I think somehow we've made those metaphors of our soul that somehow we think we're supposed to come in the quiet of our, of, our, of our house or in the quiet of even this place and say, okay, in the quiet of my heart, but my soul cries out. My soul cries for you. But I think God wants us to literally raise our voices, to cry out to Him, to speak to Him. 
to be heard. And Jesus did this. In Hebrews 5 through 7, or 5 7, it says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. I just can't see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane praying that God would take this cup from him in the quietness of his heart. I think God, I think Jesus cried out. I think he spoke to his Father. I think he made his voice loud. And you're probably asking, so are you asking me that we should pray publicly, that we should pray out loud? And you might say, well, Britt, Britt, that's not my personality. I'm sort of an introvert. I'm, so, I'm inward. You know, that's just not me. And I say, yes, it's not your personality because your personality is broken. And you say, but, but, but I don't speak well. I'm not really sure how to pray. I don't pray well. I don't sound really great. And people are going to be around me. I say, yes, you're inadequate. And you say, but I, I just don't know that I can do it. I don't know. I don't know if I can just will myself to do it. I don't know if I can do that, but if I can pray out loud in front of other people. And I would say, yes, you can't because you're dependent. You can't do it on your own. But God has placed His Spirit inside of us and He wants us to cry back, Abba, Father. It's His Spirit inside of us that cries back. It's not me. It's not you. And there's something about our faith that requires proclamation. That We see this throughout Scripture, throughout the Bible, that there's a proclamation as well. Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. And our salvation works that way. We have to believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouths. If you look at Romans 10, 8 through 10, it says, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one is confessed, one confesses and is saved. It's both and. It's both internally and it's both externally. God calls us to feel it and to believe it and then to proclaim it. Baptism, and when you come to this relationship with Christ, it's a public declaration of what's happened internally and it's a public declaration that now I'm a part of this family, a part of this body. And that the church itself, we're to be this demonstration, we're to be the image of God in this neighborhood and to our neighbors. That I'm supposed to demonstrate that with my life, but I'm also to proclaim it with my mouth. We should be visible and we should be audible. And at the end of the day, this is your family. Last week we were trying to get set with the interpreting with Melanie and we had to take a break and we had to get things set correct and I was like hey it's no big deal it's just us it's just us that if we can't pray with our family who else can we pray with and that that we're not fooling anybody I I don't think anybody in here thinks anybody else is perfect that anybody else doesn't have issues that anybody else is not broken and inadequate and dependent and I just wanted to say that our lack of prayer is not a lack of discipline And I know I've grown up thinking that, that if I was more disciplined, I would pray more. But I want to tell you, I think that our lack of prayer is not a lack of discipline, it's a lack of desperation. That if we were desperate, if we truly realized our situation, then we would pray. We have to be desperate. 
we think that we can do life on our own, we're not going to pray. We're not going to be serious about prayer. If we think that we can do what we want to, what we think that God wants to accomplish through living stones on our own, we're not going to take prayer seriously. And I desire for us, for living stones, to be a body that's committed to prayer. And to be that, we have to be a people of desperation. So we're going to take time to pray right now. We're not going to play music. We're not going to do anything else. We're just going to sit here together. I've got on the next slide just some different needs or some opportunities. And this is something we're going to do on a regular basis for each week. That as we have prayer needs, prayer requests, just things to pray for, that we're going to put some of these up so we can have that, so you guys can see that. These are needs. It's not what we have to pray about. It's not just this, but to give you some ideas of these are some things that we need God to show up. We need God to do these things. And so we want to take this time and go before God. And we want to cry out to Him together. Realizing that we're broken, that we're inadequate, and that we're dependent, that we're in a desperate situation. And so let's do that now. I will, um, Jovi, do you mind starting us? And then when we feel like we need to finish, I'll, I'll close us. Um, but we can take as long as we want. <laughs> and I just want to encourage you guys that we'd walk through this together. <laughs>